The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Lift your eyes up, let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the beast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up, when famine Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio. A program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate on the issue of 21st century slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas, with new abolitionists in action, Shohana Nidaya, and Black Talk Media Project founder, Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is January 20th, 2016. Our stories include... The Delaware House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed Thursday a resolution apologizing for the state's role in slavery. The resolution acknowledges the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of slavery and Jim Crow, and apologizes on behalf of the people of Delaware for the state's role in slavery and the wrongs committed against African Americans and their ancestors who suffered under slavery and Jim Crow. Notice how everything is presented as past tense. Tonight, we offer a response from the abolitionists. Last year, author Rick McDaniel posted a blog about his first experience seeing the 13th Amendment exception clause. Thanks to Scotty Reed, I was able to read it, and what I found was troubling. I'll share it with you in a few. The world's largest publisher and distributor of children's books and a leader in fine print and digital education materials for pre-K to grade 12 came under fire recently for the children's book titled A Birthday Cake for George Washington, which was released on January 5, 2016, after it was criticized for being highly problematic. We'll tell you why it was problematic, who made it, and what the final outcome of this book's shelf life became. On the heels of an I-Team report last week, the head of law enforcement in North Carolina was sharply critical of a program incentivizing parole officers to put offenders back in jail using what's referred to as a quick dip confinement. To put it bluntly, they offered a pizza party to whichever officer could send the most people back to jail for probation violations. Yeah, it's sick. If we have time, I want to tell you about how Flint Flint, Michigan is still pumping poison water into their jails and also about the U.S. Supreme Court's decision which rejected a bid by three of the world's largest food producers to throw out a lawsuit holding them accountable in a landmark child slavery case. I'm still severely hampered with internet connection, so please bear with us as we temporarily postpone tonight's America is Ferguson report. This week's writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Cash Delano Register, who won his freedom in 2013 
as a lawyer, the students from Loyola Law School cast doubt on the testimony of a key prosecution witness. Register, who has always maintained his innocence, spent 34 years in custody after being convicted of the 1979 armed robbery and murder of Jack Sasson, 78. Our abolitionist in profile tonight is abolitionist, poet, and orator Francis E. W. Harper, 1825 to 1911. Expect all of that and more tonight on New Abolitionist Radio. We invite you to join the conversation by calling us at 1-641-715-3660. The extension is 549-032-POUND. Just press star 6 and 1 to queue up from the conference line if you have a question or a comment. Once again, I'm Max Parker. What's happening, Brother Scotty? Your What's going on? Uh, I don't know if Johan is in or or out. I don't have these numbers memorized, and uh, so <laughs> Johan, you need to put star six uh, and one if you are on the line. So um, as far as I can tell, it's just me and you thus far, Max. Well, it's going to get even more confusing because for the first time in almost twelve years, I have a cell phone, <laughs> and I've got to send you that number tomorrow. I didn't have any choice, brother. It was the only way I could find to get a decent internet connection to be able to do my research. Understood. I'm joining the club now. I had 99 reasons not to have a cell phone. All right, here's uh, Johanna. Peace, Johanna. <laughs> yeah, unmute yourself, bro. Every week, man. <laughs> Peace to the abolitionists. Good to be here. Good to be here, y'all. Yeah, yeah, definitely are. It's, it's good to know them that, that you know we're doing something. Like on our part, we're not just standing idly by or just running our mouths and complaining. We are actually doing something on a regular basis. Um, and I don't expect everybody to do what we're doing, but wow, everybody can do something. Right. Indeed. Yeah, um, I don't know if I had a chance to speak with either one of you in the time since, but <clears throat> it's been an interesting uh, week since the last program, just dealing with individuals um, who have been uh, attempting to call, you know, I guess kind of call me out or call the, the movement out itself, like like we're not doing something, you know. And so, uh, again, you know, here on the, on the program, just like we do off air, I have to thank uh, both of you for what you're doing to give me an opportunity to be a part of something. I mean, you know, I was able to, to kind of shut people down a few times. Like you realize that uh, one of our hosts and co-producers on the program actually met with Bernie Sanders uh, campaign team. And uh, then he came out with his abolished prison, uh, private prison uh, legislation. You realize that. So, you know, um, whatever you're working on, if you want to get involved with us, you know, we, we are influencing the narrative, the, the national narrative, as well as influencing legislation, presidential campaign. Uh, this information is getting out and it's getting under, it's getting heard and the people are understanding. So, yes, we are affecting change. You know, in a nation, in a nation, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Max. Scotty, go ahead. Right. Oh, I was just going to say, in every step of the way, I made sure that I did it publicly so people could see what was occurring. So nothing could be hidden, and uh, it could unfold right before their eyes. You know, in, in a land where 
filled with liars telling lies. To tell the truth is revolutionary. You know, just right. to simply tell the truth is a revolutionary act. Telling the truth has gotten many of people killed in this country. Whether we're right. talking about Martin Luther King Jr. when he talked about how all these white European settlers were given millions of acres of land and all this help from the federal government uh, to lift them up out of poverty. Um, and, and then he talking about you owe the uh, African uh, descendants of, of enslaved Africans and we're coming to get our check. Next thing you know, he was killed. He was dead. When Malcolm X started talking about, you know, uh, uniting with other people around the world and, and you know, working on true African-American unity outside of the religious confines and, and other social confines, they killed him. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we could point throughout all history where they have killed people for speaking truth to power. Fred Hampton, uh, Chairman Fred mm -hmm. Hampton of the Black Panther, uh, the Illinois chapter of the uh, Black Panther Party spoke truth to power. Like, you know, telling the, the raw truth to the people. They murdered them in his sleep. So, anybody yeah. that doesn't think, first of all, what's this old saying about knowledge is power? Okay. Uh, we are spreading the knowledge that the 13th Amendment did not abolish slavery, which anyone you would think could come to that conclusion by just reading it. You know, but most of most people like myself up into the time that I came into the knowledge that slavery was never abolished. I was like everybody else. I was believing the school textbooks that, you know, they put all kind of lies in there. And we'll be talking about this children's book uh, here in, in a few, you know, um, when writers write articles about the 150th anniversary of the Civil War and talk about slavery being abolished and the ratification of the 13th Amendment, but they don't post the text or at least the entire text, the exception clause. So we live in a land of liars. You know what I'm saying? And we all been brainwashed to believe the greatest lie I think has ever been told uh, on earth. And that is the United States abolished slavery because not only did they not abolish slavery, but they're practicing it in many different forms to this day. And I'm not talking about, you know, student debt or anything like, no, I'm talking about physical bondage and, and labor, uh, you know, where, the, where prisoners are, are capital. They're seen as capital the same way George Washington saw his enslaved victims as capital. Okay. And so, uh, it, it, you know, long as we've been doing this program, all the people we have talked to, law professors, people like George Mallinckrodt, that, you know, whistleblower, uh, worked in the prisons, turned whistleblower. I mean, just, you know, uh, anybody that doesn't think that we well, tell me where else. Tell me another radio station. Tell me another radio program. And I know of a couple, but I'm talking about the ones that's on your, on your car. Uh, uh, radio dial. I'm talking about the showcase, the, the comedians that come on with the morning shows and, and read you strawberry letters and give you dating advice and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, where, where is anywhere else is this truth being spoken? You tell me. It's not, man. It's not. It's not, uh, it's not on the agenda to speak the truth. And, um, it's one of the main things that we, that we fight, I find we fight against in spreading this truth is as we always talk about the cognitive dissonance, like the things that people think they know, the, th the things that people have accepted 
as the truth, as the facts of the matter. But they've never done any fact-checking. I mean, I found it to be uniform in in 99% of the cases where people have challenged me on what I'm talking about or challenged uh, the, the truth about modern-day slavery or challenged the facts of the matter about you know law enforcement in America, on and on. People will jump in and say a bunch of things that they've heard or that they think or they feel, but I have yet to encounter a person more than maybe 1% that actually reads, that studies, that follows the news, that finds the information, that looks at case studies, that define the reality of the situation. They just don't do it. They don't know how to research. They never have researched. Most of them did enough work when they were in some kind of school to get a degree of some sort, and then they went on with their lives. They haven't read a nonfiction book. So they challenge you when you do years and years of research on this, and you see the patterns and practices. You see the history. You see the connections. You know what is going on, and you're just simply trying to tell them the truth, and all they can do is say, ah, I don't believe that. It's a damn shame, man. It's the result of the propaganda, man, because this is a non-thing. As you said, there's very few people who have even considered the simple question, was slavery actually abolished? Yeah. And if it wasn't, then what did it become? And it forces you to look around you and start seeing these things in a critical fashion. So they just simply accepted that the 13th Amendment abolished slavery as it's always promoted to have done, and that the right. emancipation free free displayed, and they don't read those documents. They're so good at not reading documents that they swear are true that many soldiers and politicians all the way up to presidents will stand before the world with their hand on a Bible and swear to defend the Constitution and never have read the damn Constitution. Right, you know, right. They don't even know what it says. How are you going to swear to defend something you don't even know what it says? <laughs> You're just doing it because everybody else does it. And not just the uh, politicians. And I know we got to break into our first story, but not just the politicians, let me say. Not just when you see the president doing it. Not just when you see your Congress people, when you see your representatives doing that, taking that oath, standing there for the photo op, standing up there in a position that you know that they got because they took that oath and said they're going to uphold it. Not just them, your prosecutor right there in your city, mm -hmm. your judges, your judges, mm -hmm. the law enforcement officers that are in your community. All of these people, so when we tell you this information, this is fact-based. When you said you're going to uphold that Constitution, and we show you clearly the Constitution has said slavery is abolished except when we can make someone a criminal, and then we show you the history of this country from the 1600s at least being directly targeted towards non-whites and the poor to make whatever they was doing breathing criminal. And the law enforcement has, en has enforced those laws for... 500 years. Mm -hmm. People, wake up. We're not the sky's falling chicken little running around. This is facts. that We can give you books, links, articles, professors, everything under the sun, professionals of all sorts that back up what we're talking about. Will you read it? Will you acknowledge the truth? As an artist, I try to put it out in my art as well to get people to yeah. pay attention and, and to see what's going on. Uh, yeah. And that's been very helpful. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I put out, like the videos, uh, get a lot of views and, and wake people up. What I try to do is go out and I recruit people. I wake them up personally. I, 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 what else am I going to do? And the, the biggest resistance I get is from the intellectuals, people who have spent their entire lives saying one thing, 
and are not ready to accept that they might have been wrong all along. Right. So well, it's a tough well, road to hold, but we're going to do it. Well, let's get in on this first story, man. And, uh, you know, here we go again. A lot of states <laughs> have done this, and this is the most recent one. I want to tell you about how it came to be that Delaware apologized for slavery. The first promotions I saw of it was a link where uh, the headlines said, Obama just marked the end of slavery. Delaware may apologize for its role in it. I don't even know what the hell that means and why it's being attributed to Obama or even the words end of slavery are included. Right. So that was the first thing that I saw. And then they went through the whole processes. And then recently the House just passed it. So the Delaware House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed Thursday a resolution apologizing for the state's role in slavery. The resolution acknowledges the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of slavery in Jim Crow and apologizes on behalf of the people of Delaware for the state's role in slavery and the wrongs committed against African Americans and their ancestors who suffered under slavery in Jim Crow. It also recognizes the need to address and educate Delawareans about the social stigma, stereotyping, bias, and discrimination will still exist in the state today as vestiges of the institution of slavery and expresses its commitment to rectify the lingering consequences of the misdeeds committed against African Americans under slavery and Jim Crow and to stop the occurrences of human rights violations in the future. Well, I'd like to see that. Representative James Johnson, Democrat from Newcastle, said the wounds of racism are still fresh, pointing out that he was, they still shooting at you to hell with the wound, you still getting shot. <laughs> Pointing out that he was prevented from eating in some restaurants or sleeping in some hotels when he was young. Personal to me, although I was not subject to slavery, I was indeed subject to Jim Crow. My only hope, my only wish was that my kids wouldn't have to go through the same thing. Only rep. Uh, Representative Richard Collins, a Republican from Millsboro, voted no on the measure. We have people who fought in the Civil War to end slavery, Collins said. We have people who moved here after slavery ended. I don't see how I can apologize for them. Well, there you have it. I just want to say one thing. This is not, it didn't get transferred into Jim Crow. Jim Crow is not what happened after slavery. Jim Crow was what happened while slavery was still going on. Or have you forgotten convict leasing and chain gang? Those things were still occurring where people were locked into bondage, forced to work for free, abused, brutalized, murdered, marginalized, criminalized, and used as collateral, as inventory in these prisons. So, you know, it wasn't like slavery had ended, and here's the next stage, Jim Crow. Jim Crow was going on while slavery was going on. Any thoughts from uh, my fellow abolitionists on this apologies from Delaware? Man, I don't, I don't need to start this program off dropping f bombs and whatnot. I mean, what? Come on, man. It's just you. I mean, you just laid it out so clear. What the, the, the hypocrisy, the lie, just the, the, the denial, the foolishness, the evil. I mean, what else can it be that you know? the truth of these situations. These people that, that even write these stories don't get a pass. 
I mean, you know the truth. How, how many stories like this are you going to write? I don't know. I, I don't know, yo, honey. Are we sure these people know the truth? Because I would have to say, man, I would have to say that probably 99% of the population here in the United States don't know the truth about slavery yeah. never being abolished. And that's serious, man. And I was one of those five years ago. Now, I know some of them, the ones that I know know the truth are the ones that deliberately hide the exception clauses because we're talking states too i don't remember what delaware if they had an exception clause in their constitution but if they do then i mean you're still practicing slavery you know i mean we know you're still practicing slavery but you we have evidence in your own legal documents that you never abolished it so you know i view these people that want to apologize for slavery you know, for some of them, I know that their heart is in the right place. I know because here in North Carolina, we have some black politicians and, you know, they uh, when the Democrats was running the state, they issued an apology, too. I know them brothers was coming from a good place. I don't even think at that time that I had realized that slavery had never been abolished in this country. But the ones that try to hide it, your Paul Ryan's, your Speaker of the House that has a 13th amendment commemoration ratification ceremony and you don't even have a poster board with the 13th amendment written out on it you don't even you don't even post the 13th amendment's text on your own blog post about the announcement so i know you know because that's why you had me okay they had the black man read it they had the black i think it was Clyborn. they had him read it and he said Except for prisoners being convicted, like it never came out of his mouth. I never yeah. heard. I, I didn't see that part where he said it. So I had yeah, to see either. that. I had yeah, to go it's back on and there. see. I saw it. Yeah, I had to go back and, 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 and see that. And did anybody say, oh, My God, they never abolished slavery? He said, Except. <laughs> as soon as you ask somebody, okay, so you, you would your wife, would your spouse say, Okay, we're only gonna have sex with each other, except. And would you be able to fit? Would you be able to finish that sentence? And as soon as you ask that question, I've never had a person answer that question honestly anywhere. I, I answer that question in, in, well, yeah, but 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 it's not the same thing. How is it not the damn same thing? You cannot you cannot molest my child except. Right. You cannot have access to my bank account except. to take all except. of my funds except. <laughs> yeah, it just—it it doesn't make any damn sense, and anybody just reads these few lines has to come to the same conclusion. And if you don't, then show us why not. Why you don't consider that as the caveat that abolition? Because they don't see Africans and in, in loincloths and ankle bracelets or, 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 you know, manacles and stuff, you know, like in the scene from Django right. or something like that, you know, and they don't see a bunch of African naked women standing on blocks in the town square being auctioned off. So since they don't see those things, then so slavery must not exist. We're not riding the Pony Express either. <laughs> things change over time. Electricity was invented. Right. And that changed everything. Right. So, yeah, I guess they're stuck with wanting to see, needing to see some example of 16th century slavery in front of their face. But it's right there. You can go to Tutwiler Prison, women's prisons, mm. and you can see it there. You can go to uh, 
Rikers Island, and you can see it there. Hell, you can get a Ouija board and talk to Khalif Browder, and he'll tell you all about it. You can mm. ask Mumia about it. So, and you know, for D- Delaware to issue an apology, like many of these other states, as you mentioned, Scotty, who have done the same thing, it's so hypocritical. Just for instance, right now in Delaware, African Americans make up only 27% of the entire state's population. And yet they're arrested at nearly six to one. So where is this abolished slavery thing from? You've got this small percentage that you're hunting and putting into these prisons for profit. And Delaware is one of those McDonald's fast food Okay, I got it. Yeah, that McDonald's fast food restaurant of slavery only charging uh, $20,000 a year to incarcerate their criminals or what they call criminals. And there's a lot more. You know, we do the America is Ferguson series, and although we didn't flesh it out in the early days when we were in the D's, there is a Delaware. And we do have this information available to us easily. Uh, just going to read one quote, for instance, that will put some of this in perspective. There's an overcrowding quickbacks. For the year ended June 30, 2008, SDCC, uh, DC operated at a deficient of 3.9 million. Increases in food, utility, transportation, and medical, in addition to a steady rising increase in the inmate population, has made it impossible to operate within the current level of allocations from the state, contributing $12 million from other funding sources, prison industries, canteens, to support mandated services to inmates. So that right there is a statement saying that they are not even taking care of the prisoners that they do have in these jails or cells. They're saying they can't afford it. The money's going some damn where. And there's several other quotes that uh, I could read, but I won't. Just suffice to say that uh, at this point, Delaware is perpetrating a fraud. Again, again, you know, I, I just will question these people whether or not they've ever read the 13th Amendment. Do they actually know that slavery was transformed to prison slavery? And do they know the level of private prisons? And how they operate, you know, I, I'm not going to assume, you know, that people know things that I know because I didn't always know what I know now. So, you know, when I, I, I'm going to be I'm going to be hesitant until I talk to these people, man, because, you know, let me let me I've been thinking about this, you know, in order to end slavery, black people can't do it themselves. And I've never made this program or our group just about black people, although some people think that. All right. Uh, you know, we don't even have all 40 million black people in this country as abolitionists. Every black person in this country is not an abolitionist because they may not even realize slavery is still being practiced in this country. So I'm going to accept whatever help I can get from whoever, uh, from wherever, in order to end slavery. If that's the end goal, then hey, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your gender is, your sexual orientation. I don't care about none of that. All I care about is ending slavery. And 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 until impending a revolution, as some of the revolutionaries say, you know, we are going to have to go through these people and work with these people in order to get anything passed, just like, you know, the Justice is Not For Sale Act. And so, you know, I'm willing to be diplomatic to a certain extent and, and whatnot. But, you know, uh, we we it's just a hard road ahead, man. And we have very few a- allies, period, period. You know, uh, um, so I, I'm just being careful. I know like I had an opportunity to talk with Christopher Irvin today 
who's running for Baltimore City Council, and he's an abolitionist, you know, mm-hmm. and they just got some felony uh, voting rights uh, restored. Well, they ain't done. They still got to go to the Senate to override the Republican uh, governor's veto. But they're working to, you know, restore the constitutional right of, of uh, to vote to prisoners as soon as they lead, lead the state. We're going to need to work with people like Christopher Irvin, who's going to need right. our support when, when and if he wins, you know, uh, as, as he seeks higher government office in, in, in the states and whatnot. So I, I just wanted to say that, you know, I'm just not so certain, man. You'd be surprised at the level of ignorance among educated people. And, and whatnot. So a lot of people, man, they be voting for stuff they don't even know what the hell they voting for, man. So uh, I all I know is we got to keep doing what we doing and, and educating folks. Right. Yeah, I remember an abolitionist that we profiled said basically that you need to take off your white gloves when dealing with our people and go down amongst them. And that's where I'm I'm at. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to uh, blame them for being ignorant. Uh, they were made ignorant in many instances. Just like the rest of us. Sometimes to blame people who are pro-slavery and black, like uh, Sheriff David Clark. Again, these are centuries of propaganda. Hell, Geo Group. Geo Group and Correction Board of America both got black people on their board of directors, so. I don't know, man. Y'all are more forgiving than I am. I guess I was raised uh, uh, you know, my dad was a hard person. I was raised, you know, my grandfather was pretty it nice guy, but he was hard. He had a hard. They always raised me to know and believe grown folks do what grown folks want to do. We don't have to teach you all this old crazy stuff you go out here in the world and learn how to do. Ain't nobody have to teach you how to how to smoke weed, how to go drink, how to screw. They don't have to teach you how to go out and go do all the stuff you go out and find your vices and find your fun time and all that. You go and bump your head and you learn how to do what you want to do. So when you get introduced to this information and you, and you, and you use all your resources to resist it and you do everything you can to deny it and you try to ignore it and you see the conditions of people and you don't try to look in any kind of way and try to figure out what the hell is going on, what from hell is persecuting them and you, I, I mean, I understand there's not a whole lot to be gained from from being angry about it or what have you. As I've been accused, even, you know, once again, you're just so angry. You're damn right I'm angry because that's my brother. That's my sister. That's my uncle. That's my son. And while you're out here playing these bulls, uh, playing these games and pretending you're ignorant and you're so educated and you know everything, but this just doesn't make sense to you, Solomon Northrop. I'm, I'm, I understand you all's position, and I appreciate it. There needs to be a balance, but I'm telling you, I can't. I, I'm not talking about those type of people. I'm not talking about the people who are apologists for the president simply because he's black and won't make and any. And I know do- you mean the people yeah. that just don't know, Scotty. I know what you're yeah. talking about. I'm but talking about saying there's a the lot more people, people that fall into the category of willful ignorance than those that are truly just don't know. A whole lot of well, folks are spending their life doing a lot of bull. And yeah. not trying to know. Yeah, now that's true. That's true. You know, um, I came across some people like that today want to question the information that I'm putting out and then ask for a link. Nigga, find your own. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> 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 hey, we're at our break. <laughs> hey, find your own link. Do your own research. If you doubt what I have put out, and I've been doing this for, for a number of years now, about going on nine years. 
And if you doubt anything that I'm saying, if you think that I'm just going to spend my time putting out false information over the Internet like somebody paying me to lie on Obama or anybody else, you know, then, I mean, do your own research. You find a link disputing what I'm saying, okay? I've already done the research. And, I've, and, and then no matter what kind of links or research or documents you point these people to, they gonna be like, oh, that's from a right wing site. Or, they reply uh, and they don't even look. Yeah, they don't exactly. Listen. They don't exactly. care. They just go right to reply mode. Yeah, I ain't got yeah. no patience for them type of people. They don't want to know. They, and they know something, but they know something is wrong, but they don't want to acknowledge because, you know, it's gonna paint their boy or their girl in a bad light. And, and see, they, you know, we gotta, we gotta put forth this face of, of, you know, we, we can do no wrong or whatnot instead of acknowledging, you know, there's crooks among us, man. So I, yeah, I know what you're talking about, Johanna. I'm just talking about them ignorant folks, man, who really, and, and I don't mean ignorant in a mean way. But I'm talking about, man, they didn't went through school. Man, I went through college, man. I ain't heard nothing about the 13th Amendment. I only came across it because the creator put it in my path, and I understood right. what I read. Or else right. I'd still be lost, bro. Well, I had I had an attorney laugh at me and ask me, did I really think that, uh, that attorneys are sitting around somewhere talking about the 13th Amendment? That's just ridiculous. The black woman that was laughing at me and said that I, I'm – just too radical and that's just ridiculous do you really think attorneys are sitting somewhere talking about or even thinking about the 13th amendment that's just ridiculous and all i could say to her was you know uh criminal attorneys that are practicing criminal law i sure as hell hope they are i mean we've had hmm. law professors attorneys so i mean we got those that nakima levy pounds are abolitionist right. attorneys so right. i mean we got right. attorneys out there that uh in law Angela professors Chan. yeah Angela Chan that's right Angela Chan so it's it, you know again we got people out we got attorneys that do sit around and talk about it and try to tell other people but again they run into these walls where people just don't want to know the truth because they can't handle the truth well let's take our break our eight thirty break we're a little beyond it when we come back the next story is going to put some of this in perspective and shows one of those things that people resort to when faced this, with this information in the blog that you shared from Rick McDonald, McDaniel. So you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio with Scotty Reed, Johanna Nalaya, and Max Farkas, and we'll be right back on the other side. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Peace, and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Our next story coming up is uh, Amend the 13th Amendment, a blog by Rick McDaniel. Now, I, it reminds me again of the influence that's occurring because that 13th Amendment symbol that they got up there showing, you know, Section 1 and Section 2, Scotty, you're the one that put that, that image out there at least four years ago. I mean, nobody was using that image. It right. A little white out on it, remember? Yeah. So I know that that was a direct influence from you right there. And this is from 2014. <clears throat> and he wrote this blog about his discovery of the 13th Amendment and what he thought of it. And uh, I don't want to read his whole entire blog. It's just too long anyway. So what I'm going to do is maybe read at least one of the uh, uh, sections and then get down to the point where I went, Ah, that happens every time out there. It starts with him saying, 
I was in a recent meeting with the prison fellowship president, Jim Lisk, and he quoted it. I couldn't believe it, but when I read the 13th Amendment, and there it was, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist to be in the United States or any place subject to the jurisdiction. How could this be in our Constitution? Do we really believe if someone has been convicted of a crime, they can legally become a slave? Says next year, remember this is from a year ago, we will celebrate the 150th anniversary of the ratification of the 13th Amendment. Right? We begin today the process of amending it by removing the convict clause. It is simple, un simply unconscionable to treat those who have been convicted of a crime in such an un-American way. I am not a constitutional scholar or a legislator, but I am a pastor who believes in grace. When someone has served their time, paid their debt to society, they are free. We should forgive them, and they should have the opportunity to restore their lives. There can be no statement in our most cherished legal documents that indicate otherwise. Now, that all sounds really great, right? It's like, wow, I've come to the conclusion. I see it. It's there. And I understand. And we need to get this out of our uh, most sacred of documents, which is the law of the land. But let me scroll down a little bit more and see if I can find the part that threw me through it for you. Yeah, Max, if you could speak up a little bit. Okay, let me scroll down a little bit more and find the part that threw me through a loop. He goes on further to say, those who know much more than I about the prison system will tell you the rates of recidivism are way too high, 70%. The reentry process for ex-prisoners is not nearly supportive of enough, and the job prospects are too few. Restoring voting rights for nonviolent offenders, as we have done in my state of Virginia, is a good step in the right direction. This necessary policy needs to be enacted across our country. But there is much more work we can do to help our former prisoners become fully contributing citizens. Those who work and minister in this area know many programs that can move us in the right direction and take advantage of what these men and women have to offer their country. If the Constitution says those convicted of a crime are forever eligible for involuntary servitude, we can never get to such a place of progress. Maybe it's just a symbolic step. Since we know no one is actually enslaved anymore because they were convicted of a crime. But symbolism is important. When the highest percentage of prisoners of any race is African-American and slavery was our greatest national sin against that race, then the symbolism really does matter. Now see, that's it right there for me. I mean, he just said exactly how he felt in one simple line where he says that uh, no one is a slave today. See, that was the different programming that was fighting inside his his brain. I mean, think about it visually, man, as a virus or something in your brain, a computer virus or something like that. So he had been programmed all his life to believe that, you know, Lincoln freed the slaves, the Civil War settled the question of slavery once and for all in this country, and, and da-da-da. After 1865, we passed 13th Amendment. We was over and done with it. Now, you know, uh, uh, what's the problem with all these people? You know, they just criminals. And, and so he been programmed just like everybody else with that. But then he read the 13th Amendment for himself and that exception clause jumped out at him and, and it tried to penetrate and get in there 
to reprogram or rewire his brain. But then a few seconds later, that other programming was saying, no, I'm not giving up. I'm not going down without a fight. And it's fighting back. And it's saying, you know, you don't see Toby out there getting whipped on the lawn or nothing like that. So, you know, nobody's actually enslaved. You don't see, you know, uh, 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 pregnant women you know, being tied up in trees and, and tied to trees and their bellies cut open and so the baby can come flying out so we can use it for alligator bait. You know, we don't see that kind. So slavery don't exist. See, it's the programming, man. Man, it take a whole lot to deprogram some people. Some of us, it just, it, once we're exposed to the truth, the truth just permeates our entire being and we accept the truth. But some uh, others, we we won't accept it, and and we you know we see see it, but we it's kind of still kind of dim, and it's not really that bright. And then that darkness within us wants to snuff that light out and keep that truth from coming forth, man. I, I, that's what it sounds like is going on with this dude, man, because he's totally contradicting himself. Absolutely, he's seen it. I mean, slavery must be like Christ, because you see it, you feel it, you know it, it's right in your face, and you still deny it. Right, so <laughs> so we got to, you know, people like him, we, you know, we got to get him into a, a, a deprogramming. He needs help. He needs an abolitionist sponsor. That's what he needs. <laughs> That's probably a, a, something new to him, too. If you were to say to him, you know, there is an abolitionist movement in the United States of America today, and it's growing internationally. He would probably be shocked by that as well, as much so as he was by reading the 13th Amendment. That's why I feel it's so important that the word slavery abolition be put into the universe, that people start using it as a anti-propaganda uh, format for this reform narrative that is being shoved down our throat as the only way to go. And think you know, about it like this. Think about it like this. Okay, let's just say he's stuck on symbolism. We need to remove this, even if it's symbolic. We need to remove this. Well, let him think it's only symbolic, but let's let him help remove it because we know better. We know one that it's the legal linchpin which allows, you know, that undergirds this new slave system. So, you know, that's when we got to learn how to use people. And I hate to say it, but hey, people get used every day in this world. That's how it works. That's how you get things done. <laughs> you have to get down and dirty. You know what I'm saying? So let's use let's use the fools too, cause you ever heard the uh, uh, term "useful idiots"? You know they can be useful if used in the right way. You know you don't want to hurt yourself on an idiot, but you know if you handle it properly and and careful with it, you can use it to achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So if he if he wants to mount a campaign saying we need to remove the Thirteenth Amendment exception clause. Then, hey, I'm, hey, buddy, I'm all for you. Let's remove that thing. Let's do it. I'm with you. It doesn't matter to me if he's doing it for symbolic reasons, because what matters to me is it's getting done. Yes, and the prisons can no longer refer to the population that they house in their warehouses as inventory. They can no longer say they are state property, all of these uh, different terms that literally mean That'll we slavery. own you. Right. Well, listen, if you're tuning in right now and you have any comments or questions, please feel free to call us at 1-641-715-3660, extension 549032-POUND. 
If you're already on the line, just press star six and one to queue up from the conference line to make your comment or question. Um, we welcome uh, any conversation. Join us with this. This is not just about us. It's about you, too, because all of our families and children are affected by this every day. It's the defining issue for this generation, period. Well, our next story, I believe, that was coming up is uh, also along these lines. I think Brother Scotty's going to manage this one. Uh, we recently were made aware of a book that was being issued to children <laughs> portraying slaves as happy slaves. And uh, we found out some very surprising facts about this book and its creation. And uh, Brother Scotty, do you have that information available? Because I know you did. Yeah, I actually made a podcast, and, and which is uh, doubles as an article posted on BladTalkRadioNetwork.com. So, excuse me. So it wasn't that long ago that Black Talk Media Project, and this was during the time when, you know, the uh, whole rallies were going on around re the removal of the Confederate flag, and they were talking about heritage and not hate. And the Black Talk Media Project launched a social media campaign called Your Heritage is Hate. Okay, and so uh, Thomas Jefferson was one of those that we highlighted who was a serial rapist. Uh, an adulterer. He was just really a sick, vile, evil man, you know. And so then when I saw that, you know, I had uh, uh, just been checking the news feeds and I kept seeing this story about, you know, this birth, happy birthday, uh, birthday cake for George Washington. And I'm like, now, I was like, uh, let me go check out this propaganda, that vile, evil uh, creature, you know, uh, uh, let's go read it. So I went and read it, and I, I read the article, and then I, I was like, okay, well, who wrote it? Because it had the women's names right there at the top of the book, and nobody ever, all the articles I read and blogged, they didn't mention the people's names. They didn't go do any research, give any background on them. So I was like, well, hell, let me look up these names. And lo and behold, I found that, that two black women were the ones who wrote this book. One illustrated, meaning she drew all the happy pictures and whatnot. And then the other one, she she wrote it. Uh, she wrote the book. And uh, some people say she's not a black woman because, you know, she got a white parent. But whatever, man, whatever. I ain't, I ain't here to argue about phenotypes and all that. She's a black woman, okay? She, she'll get treated just like... Uh, Sandra Bland and she get caught out there on the highway like that alright so anyway then I just recently found out and this isn't part of the story but now I found out there's a third black woman involved who edited the book so you got the illustrator wow. you got the author and you got the editor all three of them are black women and they wrote this book about Hercules who was a real enslaved victim of George Washington and the story is about Hercules is scrambling around trying to find some ingredients to bake a birthday cake for George Washington. And then he was trying to figure out, well, I ain't got no sugar, so can I bake this cake without sugar? Then his his, his daughter, and this is his real daughter, uh, uh, Delia, uh, is the narrator in the fictional story of the book. She actually never helped him in the kitchen. His son helped him in the kitchen. And so, but this whole book is just, that's what the book is about. That's the premise of the book is Hercules is, 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 is this, this great black chef who just happened to be enslaved because they only mention he's a slave once 
and he likes to wear fine clothes and he likes this type of entertainment and he often wanders around the streets of Philadelphia as if he was a free black person and whatnot. And, and, and then just talking about how happy he was. Let me read this quote from the lady who she's telling you why she drew all these pictures of happy smiling Negroes. All right. Uh, she says, um, and, and uh, let me pull it. Let me find it right quick. Um, her name is Vanessa, Vanessa Brand, Brantley Newton. She's the one that drew the pictures. So, if y'all will bear with me, I will find it where she says, okay, here it go. This is her words, Vanessa Brantley Newton, on why she drew the smiling faces of enslaved Africans in this book. Um, while slavery in America was a vast injustice, note the word was, okay, but I, I'm not going to stop there. Uh, while slavery in America was a vast injustice, my research indicates that Hercules and other servants in George Washington's kitchen took great pride in their ability to cook for a man of such stature. That is why I have depicted them as happy people. There is joy in what they have created through their intelligence and culinary talent. So. This woman ain't done no research, man. She's lying. She she might have read about what his enslaved Africans' names were, just the nine who were in Philadelphia, because he had hundreds more at the plantation in Mount Vernon. And 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 Hercules actually uh, ended up escaping. He escaped. George Washington, see, in the state of Pennsylvania, they had a, a what's called a grab gradual abolitionist law during that time. If an enslaved African resided in the state for six months, then they could get their freedom. All they had to do, I think, was petition the courts or whatnot. Take their enslaver to court. Under this law, you had a right to be free. So George Washington, and this was actually illegal in itself, right short of the six-month time period, he would ship them enslaved Africans back to Mount Vernon in Virginia, and he would just rotate them in and out short of the six months like that. So anyway, it, it appears that there was going to be a plot for Hercules and his son to escape, and uh, it got found out. So they sentenced Hercules to hard labor, man. From what I was reading, they had him turning big rocks in the little rocks, you know, with a sledgehammer. I mean, they sentenced him to hard labor on the plantation for even thinking about uh, leaving, you know. And and so, um, you know, for this, does none of this, none of this man's story, his real story comes through in, in this book. This is teaching children, whether they be white children, black children, Latino children, Asian children, whatever. That people that that's enslaved Africans enjoy working for their enslavers, especially if they was a famous person, and that they took pride in their work, no matter if they were not being paid or if they were given, you know, pennies on the dollar or a slave wage and whatnot. I mean, it's just it's just so sad. Listen, I expect these publishing companies. Because these are the ones that don't put in their textbooks, in high school textbooks, the 13th Amendment, because they don't want kids reading it. So they are part of the whitewash of American history, always have been. And I expect them to continue to be. But what I, 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 I shouldn't say I don't expect it, because I do expect it. Because we've had too many uh, black people, non-white people, willing to be proxy tools of the system of racism and to help these people whitewash 
you know, uh, slavery or whatever it is, other vile thing that, that they're trying to hide. And so I, I expect it, while I do expect it to happen from time to time, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me feel any less angry when I see it or any less, uh, uh, frustrated when I see it, man. I mean, I'll tell you, I just had this theory that if non-white people would quit helping, the the white supremacists, the people that's in power, that's mistreating everyone, then they wouldn't be, this system wouldn't be running as efficient as it's running. It's running like a well-oiled machine, you know, and it just wouldn't be able to do that without our help, man. So those th those are my thoughts on that, on that uh, propaganda, whitewashing the image of this vile creature by the name of George Washington. You see, we have a theme here tonight. <laughs> like every story is showing the same thing in different ways where people are in complete denial for whatever reason. As you said earlier, Johanna, whether it be willful ignorance or just plain old ignorance, one way or another, not only are they in denial, but they're perpetuating a fraud that is hurting us hmm. and teaching it to our children. See, I'm not going to sit here and deny that my ancestors during the time of the 16, 17, 1800s were not able to smile. They smiled, they laughed, they danced, they made love. They did all the things that any family or any people would do any day of the week. Unfortunately, they had to do it under the system of slavery. And see, that's what set us apart. We were strong because of that. We, could, we overcome just about everything. When you gave us pig guts, we turned it into something you you wanted to eat every night, you know? You gave us the scraps of everything, and we made it good. We made it into something special, and that's how we live. We're able to overcome just about everything, and we're going to overcome this, too. I mean, but this whole notion. We survive it, but we defeat it. But this whole notion that slaves took pride in their work and whatnot, I'm like, this book must have really been written for people that's in prison today. They didn't write this for no little children. You know what I'm saying? They didn't write this for little five-year-olds and six-year-olds and whatnot. They wrote this. This is one of the approved books, <laughs> I guess, that they will let you read in prison since you can't get no books about the Black Panther Party or you probably can't right. even get roots in prison. You know what I'm saying? But if it's telling you to take pride you in your work, book. <laughs> yeah, they banned George Mellencroft's book. How to, uh, what's the name of his book? Getting Away With Murder. Yeah, Getting Away With Murder. So, man, but uh, again, what? man. This woman to think that, look, if they didn't do a real good job, guess what happened to them? They get that ass beat. If they if they wasn't smiling and grinning and shuffling along in front of Massa and whatnot, then Massa going to look at him, nigga, what's wrong with you? Why you ain't happy? Why you not happy? Do I not feed you? Do I not, you know, uh, uh, give you a sack to cover your, your loins and, and, and whatnot? That, you should be happy. You could be in Africa worshiping a tree if if we hadn't enslaved you. So, nigga, what, you need to wipe that frown off your face now before I slap it off. I'm going to tell you how I know that all of these three uh, black women that have been named and, and pointed out as the creators, editor, illustrator of this mess are uh, just following some kind of directions. Somebody must have told them to, to do this or something. And I know they did not do any kind of investigation before they actually wrote this because it don't take you very much uh, research to know 
that George Washington famously snatched all the teeth out of his slaves' mouths to make to give himself a mouthful of teeth. So how was they sitting around smiling, grinning about making his birthday cake? They didn't have no teeth. Hence the phrase toothless grin. Hmm. So there you go. It's all just a, a mess, man. Yeah, it's it's just sad. But this is the thing, just like I said before, <clears throat> black criminality is like a currency. These people have to be criminals. They have to be less than. They have to be worthless to justify white supremacy, to justify perpetuating these institutions that benefit white supremacy, that keep westernized capitalism going. You have to have this class of people that, that got it coming to them, that deserve what they're getting. So the same way with this, you have to have these slaves. Another thing they didn't research, the laughing barrel. When was these Negroes sitting around smiling and happy and laughing and having a good time? They made you their laughing barrel is real. You have to go put your head in a barrel because I don't want to hear you laughing. So these are the, the images and this propaganda, as you so correctly pointed out. This has to continue on. This book is a form of modern-day, like, meritorious manumissions. This is a gift that you will get from white supremacy, from the slave owner, if you can do something to help us keep slavery going. And that's what these three black folks are doing, is giving to the slave owner some information, a gift of some sort, an invention of some sort, some kind of a token to show your loyalty to this system of slavery. And once I believe you and I can make a profit off of it and I can do something with it to, to further my mission, then I'll give you your freedom. So these three Negroes are in line to receive some sort of a title, some kind of a position, some sort of a award from the black president before he leaves his office, I'm sure. They'll figure out some kind of way. Had this book been published and come on out and been a success they want it to be, I'm sure they figure out a way to get him to give him a medal. Have Stevie the, Wonder the play book been banned, though, Johanna. They pulled the book. They, they pulled the yeah. book. It was a big thing right. about this, man. A whole petition to get this book pulled, man. Right. But nobody nobody said there. nothing about these three black women. You know, and the black women right. in my social circle on social media, they was very upset with it. They was like, why? Why did you do this? Why? You know, the school lasting <laughs> caught hell for this. And now we find out that you were the creators of it. Why? Right. You know, I wish those same people would say the same things when they realize that at the same time, the president of the United States, the attorney general, and the head of the prison department were all black men. It's the right. same circumstance. They are offering a book there, a book of slavery. Speak and, up a little, you know, Max. People were saying, why then? But it's the same circumstance. Right, how we right. interpret it just over and over again. You know, there is a conclusion to this, too. As Scotty said, petition went out. People started raising hell about this. How are you going to do this? We were already pissed off about what Texas had done when they changed in their scholastic books for children from saying slaves to unpaid interns to try to whitewash slavery there. And that was for most of Texas' school children. Well, the power of the people got a result. And the result was a new statement that was issued out about the picture book, A Birthday Cake for George Washington, wherein it says, <clears throat> January 17th, just three days ago, 2016, Scholastics 
is announcing today that we are stopping the, the distribution of the book entitled A Birthday Cake for George Washington by Ramin, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, and illustrated by uh, Vanessa Brantley-Newton, and will accept all returns. While we have great respect for the integrity, scholarship of the author, illustrator, and editor, we believe that without more historical background on the evils of slavery than this book for younger children can provide, the book may give a false impression of the reality of the lives of slaves and therefore should be withdrawn. Scholastic has a long history of explaining complex and controversial issues to children at all ages and grade levels. We do not believe that this title meets the standards of appropriate presentation of information to younger children, despite the positive intentions and beliefs of author, editor, and illustrator. Wow, that's a pretty harsh statement in condemnation of all three. Ain't that uh, what um, they do to you when you get busted, though? If it had went over like a, like a, you know, how they wanted it to, it would have been fine. You know, if they got busted, they cut bait and left them to the sharks. Hey, but Until three even days ago, you had them in the schools. In, the, in right. that statement. Didn't, didn't know, right? In Somebody that statement, they're whitewashing it. By saying the evils of slavery. How about the evils of George Washington? How about the evils of Thomas Jefferson? How about you stop teaching children that these were honorable people worthy of their place in our society and, and, and whatnot? Well, you know, where's those children? Where are those books at? Where are those books at? Right. You know? Right. We can't have that, Scotty. That's hate. I mean, Don't put hate out. Come on, man. I mean, pretty much everybody, even if you, even if your vision of slavery is based on movies, The Roots and Django or whatever, I think most people know that slavery was pretty vicious and brutal on people. What they, what we're trying to get across to the masses is it's still going on, and that brutality is is ever present within these prisons, even within the jails, even within the police car itself. The slave catchers ride okay and, and and but to just put it on slavery you know we need to educate people on on how bad slavery was how about how bad these doggone people like george washington was what about the hypocrisy of of writing these letters and talking about freedom and liberty and fighting the war and and whatnot for the freedom and liberty and, and you just all racist bastard and hypocrite who turned around and denied what you would take for yourself to others. How about teaching that book? Writing that damn book? You know what they say, Scotty? If you want something done right, you're going to have to do it yourself. So, make that a call right now. I'm, I'm asking. we got a lot of authors out there. I know children's authors personally. And to top that off, I'll publish your book through Prismatic Greens Publishing if you write one in contrast to this to show the truth and explain it to children. Just contact me at here. Uh, you can contact me on Facebook or anywhere. Prismatic Dreams at gmail.com spelled with a P-R-Y-S-M-A-T-I-C dreams at gmail.com and I'll tell you right now we'll publish it for you as long as it's presented properly. Hey, last point on that story about uh, Delia who they got narrating, even though she didn't ever work in the kitchen, she she stayed at Mount Vernon, she wasn't allowed to go to Philadelphia with her father and, and whatnot, but when he did escape, this is still, again, the horrors of slavery and breaking up families and how we see that going on today. 
I mean, why can't people make that connection to slavery, man, to breaking up and busting up families? So, so Hercules did run away and whatnot and got his freedom. All right, but he left his children behind. He had like three children. I, you know, I don't think I could have left my children behind. But he left. That's what Sojourner Truth had to do too. Yes. Leave her children behind. So, so anyway, this visiting French surgeon who was visiting Mount Vernon or something and saw the little girl and said, "Oh, you must be so sad that that your father's gone like that." And and she said something to the effect that, "I'm not sad. I'm happy because he's free." Write that damn story. Well, there you have it. Uh, uh, another story to bring it all together for you so you can start understanding not only what's happening to others, but what's happening to you every day. This is a barrage of constant lies and propaganda to make you believe one thing, which you have believed now for 150 years, that slavery was ever abolished. We're at the tops of our hour. We're going to take our break, and when we come back, we're going to go on and tell you just about how devious and, and apathetic our law enforcement, parole officers, and so on, can really be. And a story that uh, says New, New York, North Carolina Secretary of Public Safety, we fumbled a parole piece of art. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. We'll be right back after these messages. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Brother Johanan, do you want to uh, cover this story for us, the uh, Secretary of Public Safety from North Carolina? Uh, and show people just how this thing unfolded. And, I mean, we can learn together. Yeah. Sure, man. I'll be, uh, I'll be the one to, to deliver the news here. Um, and our blurb is so on the heels of an IT report last week, the head of law enforcement in North Carolina was sharply critical of a program incentivizing parole officers to put offenders back in jail using what's referred to as quick dip confinement. To put it bluntly, they offered a pizza party to whichever officer could send the most people back to jail for probation probation violations. So this is a ABC News uh, Channel 11. Um, I'll take it a, a local to Wake County area. Um, uh, ABC affiliate uh, in Raleigh. At any, at any rate, uh, this is a uh, on the heels, uh, so like I just read that part, he says, I did not believe that it was appropriate at all, said Public Safety Secretary Frank Perry. Perry was the first top official in the department to, to learn of the program. An anonymous tipster sent him the same flyer that alerted the I-team and then alerted the I-team to it a week later. It offers a pizza party to the parole officers who made the most quick dip arrest in January and February. Perry wrote a note in the corner and sent it off to a deputy that same day, December 30th. The note read, do you think this is appropriate? So this is a public safety secretary for this you know, particular jurisdiction. And this is his response to, uh, I'll finish reading it. Um, I certainly meant, uh, meant by my notation that this has got to be stopped, Perry told the I-Team Friday. Now, do you think that's what 
is a communicated if he wrote on the note do you think this is appropriate and then he comes when he gets when it comes out and saying well i meant by that notation to tell him that this has got to be stopped those two things don't seem to be the same to me um department officials say they shut the party down january 7th after word filtered down from perry's office the next day january 8th community corrections uh corrections director and Precythe told the I-team it was the first time she had heard of a quick dip competition. But in the wake, so, I mean, this is just whatever's going on under your watch. You don't know what's happening. The community corrections director. But in the wake of ABC 11's reports, another tipster sent the I-team an email allegedly sent from a probation manager in Morganton offering a different prize for the most quick dip arrests, a gift card. This happens to be a program that isn't approved by anyone, Perry said. It apparently was done on at least two local levels. I hope not any more than two. And it's my understanding that it's demand, and it's my demand, rather, that this be stopped. You guys stop it. Perry also defended quick dips as a highly effective tool in reducing recidivism. It's not the fact that we're going out here running stormtrooper raids on neighborhoods just so we can get our numbers up and get quick revenue generation out of these poor Negroes and illegal immigrants and whoever else we find. It's not that we're doing that and that that's wrong, but you couldn't, you shouldn't be giving a pizza party for, for taking the blue ribbon prize. Come on guys. Uh, Perry uh, defends the quick dips as a highly effective tool in reducing recidivism. The theme of the program is quite good. He said, it's a way of getting the attention of the person on parole so they don't come back. Data provided by the state seems to bear that out. It shows that in 2014, quick dips had a higher rate of positive outcomes and a lower rate of parolees absconding when compared to another non-quick dip group. Perry said partly because of quick dips and other changes made in the last few years, North Carolina leads the nation in the highest rate of reduction of recidivism. You can do the right thing, but sometimes you do it the wrong way. This is an example of that. Well, that's enough of that. I don't want to read more of this. This is ridiculous. This is what we're dealing with, people. It shows what their priorities are. The concern is getting people into these jails. Let's go get them all in together now. How many? Who can get the most of them? Let's see. Matter of fact, it's so important, but so petty. We're just going to give you a pizza party, honey. It's not like you're going to get $1,000. Throwing hmm. these people's lives away is just worth a pizza party. That's all I'm paying yeah. for, a pizza party. You know, I'm dealing with that right now, right here. My daughter just went to court with the young brother I've been telling you guys about today mm-hmm. over the mm-hmm. same thing right here, right now in my life today. Max, you got to keep your voice up, man. You keep going, going real low. Uh, yeah, I can't wait till this case with this young brother that we have here at our house is all said and done. He's supposed to get out tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to speak with him in detail, get all the notes, and then we'll bring him on and we'll tell his story as well. This is happening all over America. This is, they just don't care. Like your life is worth a damn pizza. <laughs> That's what it is, right there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, your freedom. Go ahead, brother. No, no, I just said your freedom, your job, your car, your home. Your new baby having his daddy or his mama around your life. It's worth it's worth a pizza party to these people. <laughs> it just somebody has got to start caring, man. Somebody has got to start caring. 
And, you know, I don't know if this is a for-profit probation company, but I would like to know. I think I'm going to do some research uh, mm -hmm. before the week is out and find out. Just so I can know more when we speak to the young brother that we're dealing with. I want to see that, too. Anyway, uh, Scotty, anything on this? So I don't know if Scotty has any. Oh, he just asked if you had any kind of comments. No, on I don't there. have any comments. All right, then. Um, I guess that's going to leave us some time for the other stories that we had tonight. You know, every week we have this cutting room floor where we have to, like, I don't even know how we manage it. I know we're wrong many times. But we have to pick what is worth telling you today, specific in the time. You know, we can talk about this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I know we throw away some important stuff sometimes. But we'll give you what we have time for today. And uh, I think the next one, let me pull up my page here. Oh, of course. It's Flint, Michigan. <laughs> oh, man. Flint, Michigan is still pumping poison water into their jails, still providing people incarcerated in their jails with poison water. Now, they apparently shut it off to the rest of the community. And I hear people is donating water to the communities who are outside of the jail. But what right. about people in the jails? What is their lives worth to you? Now, mind you, it's a jail where most of the people are there because they're waiting on a trial. Very likely, mostly black people, as we've seen across the nation, who simply can't afford the bail to get out, which yeah. means that they are innocent until proven guilty. Max, so, Max, come on. They're not innocent. Because, they did something. Yeah, because they're associated with the word jail. They're forgotten. That's why mm -hmm. I say when you scream in prison, nobody can hear you because nobody's listening. They just don't yeah. care. You get associated with anything criminal and suddenly going and poisoning fools. I don't care. And that's right. what's happening right now in this jail in Flint, Michigan. Scotty or Johanna, you guys want to want to read the details on it? I'm having some page loading problems. No problem. This is uh, from Flint. <clears throat> um, thousands of dollars been shelled out by a bottled water company. Or bottle four bottle water uh, for Genesee County jail inmates during the water emergency says um, <laughs> trace amounts said turn out the water to jail showed amounts of lead according to testing that was done by an independent lab um, of course the inmates are drinking from the tap I mean that's just the bottom line we all know that drinking from the tap if you're going to wash anything I mean how many day how long can you go just taking a dump even and not washing your hands how, I mean, how, do you, how long do you think you, you, you can go? How long is humane? A day? A whole day? You take a couple of craps a day and don't wash your hands? Uh, a week? Because if you're washing your hands in lead water, you're poisoning yourself with the contact with the water. So just to even take a shit and wash your hands, you're, giving, you're poisoning yourself, whether you drink the water or not. Obviously, you've got to drink water after a few days. You can't last for so long. They can't cook food with any of the water. They can't wash any dishes, so they got extra cost for bringing in dried food. Uh, so I was forced at that point to buy bottled water at the expense, and the expense was pretty great because we have over 600 inmates. It cost $4,800 for the bottled water, which lasted five days. They had to buy dried food for the inmates because they couldn't use the water to cook. That's why, they ha that's why the testing done by the Department of Environmental Quality. Their results showed traces. You see, this, is, this story is actually this particular article is actually from October 15th last year. We know right now today that the, the uh, reports are saying that the lead is off the charts how much lead is in the water. Like there's no other samples that they've had that are as high 
like somebody is deliberately poisoning the water type of levels of lead in the water. And it's still going on. The people that are in the county jails, the city jails, any place somebody is incarcerated or in custody in this surrounding area from Flint and anywhere around where they're getting the same water from the same source is being poisoned to death. People, this is a national emergency. This is an international human rights crisis going on right now. If you don't even do anything but stand up for the 600 people that are in this one jail, you probably have well, several thousands of people across the country. At any given moment, because right. jails are revolving doors. Right, right, in and out. Yes, this is an international human rights crisis going on in America under the watch of our president, Barack Obama, under the watch of all these people that say they want to be the next president of the United States that haven't said a damn thing about it, lifted a finger to do anything about it, suspended their campaign. To go but he can't do everything. He's only one man. What are you talking about? You're right. My bad. He's My just, bad. That's one, just man. one man. And the Republicans, he don't have no power. Yeah, the Republicans are always no getting in the way, and, and they won't let him do it, will they? No, they won't let they won't let him uh, uh, do anything about those people being poisoned in that jail. He, mm. he he don't have the power to send the federal, you know, marshals down there with cases of water and and no man, he just don't you know that the CEO of USA is the weakest position in the U.S. government? He don't he just a figurehead. Hmm. I bet you if it was some LGBTQ down there getting custody, they'd had a had a tank down there to protect them. This is freaking sad, dude. Like I said, it's an international human rights violation. These are innocent people primarily in there. You know, I see people, like I said, with the pictures and the photos of them bringing and delivering water but right there in that jail. You got the brother who uh, had a quick flip incident. <laughs> you know, and he was put in there for probation violations. He got the sister who was Sandra Blanning her way around town, and she got hit with a $5,000 bail. You got mm-hmm. uh, the elderly gentleman who simply has nowhere to live and ended up getting arrested for sleeping in someone's hallway in 20-degree weather. There's a lot of these people in there. So the young lady who simply couldn't pay the tickets that you had put on her for driving right. And as a mother of three or four, and just didn't have the money, so you finally arrested her, sending her to trial. These are the people that are in there being poisoned to death right yeah. now. Yeah. In a country where we've seen across this country several jurisdictions, several municipalities, cities, counties, uh, where judges that are either being uh, instructed by someone or maybe it's their own moral compass finally getting in line somehow, who are vacating. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of active arrest warrants over petty BS so-called crimes, just like we saw in Ferguson, just like we saw in uh, where we had the brother came on uh, on the program a couple of weeks ago. Uh, was that Detroit where he was at? He was in this area, not far from this area. So we're seeing ju- uh, jurisdictions vacating all these arrest warrants for these parking tickets and your grass is a quarter inch too tall and uh, public public uh, drinking in public because you're sitting on your front porch with a beer in your hand and just going around rat, rat, uh, rattling folks' cages and giving them all kind of little quality of life uh, tickets so you can generate revenue. We're at a breaking point, people, where 
enforcing this is the same as it was in the days of slavery from the 1620s all the way until now. When you're seeing the people who are enforcing racist, unjust laws, enforcing BS, unrighteous laws, just like they did in the 1600s and 1700s, no blacks can assemble on a corner. You cannot walk parallel to a railroad track. You get arrested for vagrancy because you didn't have a job. You were freshly turned out of a plantation and don't have no education and literally don't have no job. We're going to throw you in jail because you don't have a job. These are the things that the police were enforcing for hundreds of years. They're enforcing it now. So don't tell me that that job itself is not inherently racist and inherently evil. And these are the people that are putting folks now in custody over these kind of little BS charges, and they're being poisoned to death. So once again, America, their blood is on your hands. If you're silent, their blood's on your hands. Yeah, um, it, it's just ridiculous, man. I mean, what what do we even have a federal government for, you know? And I he- I hesitate to say, hey, the Justice Department need to invest gov- investigate Governor Snyder and whoever else yes. conspired to poison these people and, and charge them with criminal violations and whatnot. Yes. But no, we know that ain't going to happen because how many times has the Justice Department investigated and, and and even documented crimes but nobody gets prosecuted yeah. so yeah. I'm at my wits end I don't know what to tell folks man except for I guess the only thing left is vigilante justice that's the Rise only thing up. I can think of man cause ain't nobody seem to care federal government don't care state government don't care nobody cares man is what it seemed like to me but we gotta call uh, area code 219 thank you for calling new abolitionist radio uh, share your name and go ahead with your question or comment. Hey, good evening, brothers. This is uh, Kwabana. Peace and welcome. Tuning in tonight. Peace to you. I had to call in, especially when I heard the, the piece on uh, pizza parties for officer who who gets the most uh, people on probation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was crazy. So I'm thinking about the situation that took place in the uh, area, in the containment area where I dwell, uh, called Gary, Indiana, where we had, um, you know, Gary's like a 85 90% African city. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, police departments coming in doing sweeps from surrounding cities, which are mostly European. And uh, one of the things they said when they met at the university in Gary was that we just go out and have a lot of fun and arrest a lot of people. And they were quoted as saying this at a, uh, at, at, again at, at at their rally before they went out and, and <laughs> conducted one of their sweeps. Wow. So, and uh, working with the Black Lives Matter group out here, one of the demands we had was to end those sweeps. They're claiming they have ended. They still have the county police coming in on us, but they're claiming they have ended that. But also these punitive fines, and uh, not punitive, these predatory fines. And so we met with the mayor. Uh, last fall, and she, that's what she said. They're not predatory, they're punitive. The mm-hmm. same sort of fines that you guys are talking about that mm-hmm. take place all over the country and happening in Flint, and where they still, like you said, are uh, exposed to that same water they're still giving them in the jail. Yeah. And I just wanted to just chime in and just share y'all with, with you all what's going on there. And it's, just, it's interesting, too, to see that the, the police, I mean, the people and the teachers had a strike, a sick out strike today, also in Detroit because of those conditions in those schools. Hmm. And we and we had a school, Roosevelt High School, the famous Roosevelt High School in Gary, from the Jackson Five going back to Indiana. 
students there, and I think tomorrow too, they're having a strike because of the conditions, the lack of heat and the conditions in their school. You, you know, last yeah, as, night, oh, ahead, Brother Quabana, I was watching um, um, the news channel, and a commercial came on. I'm, I'm sure we all seen the commercials. They, you seen one, you seen them all, and they were talking about terrible conditions of this child in uh, Malawi or something, some African country or something. They were talking about the terrible conditions and we need you to send in your donations so that we can uh, send this child to school. And I was like, damn, them pictures that I saw from Detroit from that school look worse than that, you know? And, and, And not that I'm saying I don't empathize with people living in impoverished conditions all across this planet, but... Man, we got people living in just as bad, if not worse, conditions right here in this country. And that's the first thing that popped into my mind when I seen this dude on the TV talking about, you know, we need you to send in some money to send this child to school. And I'm thinking about, damn, look at look at him. I hope it ain't no school like the one in Detroit. <laughs> you know, Right. He going from the frying pan to the fryer. It's all part of the same system, man. And like I said, when we deal with even these issues, all this police terrorism that's going around and people start throwing your face, uh, what about the black Africans killing each other here? That's the same system. It's part of the same system. So there ain't no difference you know, when we're dealing with these police killing us and, uh, and, and fratricide that's going on. It's promoted right. by the we, same We don't even, system. well, me, me personally, I don't even entertain arguments with logical fallacies anymore. When people start coming at me with that black-on-black crime stuff, you know, I, I can really break them down very quickly and show them the error of their ways. And if I can't, then they're not worth talking to any further. And these are the people who are the authority that are saying things like this. You know what I mean? Like, of course, you're going to have a lot of crime amongst people of the same community. <laughs> you know, as we said over and over again, we don't complain about the Chinese on Chinese crime in Chinatown. We don't talk about the Irish on Irish crime. We don't talk about the Hispanic on Hispanic crime in Miami. Miami. Then why do we keep noting the black on black crime? Crime happens. Period. It's really just that simple. Black people don't get on buses and get on cars and go off to white neighborhoods just so they can rob them. They rob whoever is local. Yeah, but you know, I think it's good though when um, we can use it as a teachable moment. But like you said, when they keep on with the ignorance. Then it's time to just, okay, well, all right. And so I understand what you're saying, but using that as a teachable moment, you'll know that it's part of that same violent, vile, vulgar system that we live on that promotes all of these things. So, and even, and also, Scotty, even around the world. So if you look at conditions in uh, Malawi and in the Congo, like Malcolm said way mm-hmm. back in the day, you can't understand what's going on in Mississippi unless you understand what's going on in the Congo. Right. So it's, it's, it's all part of an imperialistic, uh, wretched system. And then again, Obama's out there at a car show in Detroit where you got uh, students and teachers suffering in the school system and people up in Flint suffering because of that neglect and, and blatant disrespect that's taking place there. Yeah, so, but we can brothers, bail out the auto companies, but we can't bail out the schools, huh? Yeah, we can spend all this money on wars and weaponry and all that, but yet we can't deal with the infrastructure in this wretched place. So, man, it's... Uh, it's good, man. I appreciate you all for doing what y'all do, man. I've been sharing it on Facebook with the people, letting them know what's going on, and hopefully we'll get uh, more people to chime in. And uh, I really appreciate you guys. Well, it's same to you, brother, for dealing with the, directly with the mayor and helping the community in uh, a direct action way, man. Uh, salute to absolutely. you, so keep up, keep your head up, man. Salute, Peace, appreciate Bobby. the war report from the war front. Why don't y'all forward, man? 
uh, you know, and, and he was talking about how this is such an international thing, too. Uh, that slavery is international, really man. Come on. Geo Group, y'all think Geo Group just practiced slavery in the United States? Y'all think the Croatian Corporation of America just practicing slavery right here? Man, Geo Group took over Australia's entire prison system. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. G- G4S, a British company, is the largest employer in Africa. Africans locking up Africans. And when I think about that, and I think, I can't say this for all prisons. But most of the prisons I've visited people in, man, I swear, black people locking up black people. I was like, damn, man, they using us to lock up, lock us up. Yep. We hear things from people like Bernie Sanders, who has said outright that no one is involved in slavery today, legally. We hear that over and over again, even amongst our own community, uh, black leaders, like uh, I believe I've heard. Dr. Boyce Watkins. Well, maybe Bernie Sanders, thing. maybe Bernie Sanders saying is, is, say that again. He said what now? That no one is practicing legalized slavery in the United States today. Really? That was how I got okay. introduced to him, really. And why I, All right. Why he won't abolish private prisons and jails? I, I'm not going there. I'm not going to argue well, with the semantics. Well, I, All I know is that bill needs to get passed. Or somebody and has a foot up their ass, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. People tend to have a question or would say things like, well, no major corporation today would knowingly participate in slavery. It, it, it's just a byproduct of how things are going. With our next story, we can point directly to companies like that, like Nestle, who right now is involved in a case where the Supreme Court rejected a bid by Nestle and three of the world's biggest food producers to throw out a lawsuit holding them accountable in a child slavery case. But that's already that's- outlawed, though. See, where, they, where Nestle <laughs> messed up at, where Nestle uh-huh. messed up at, see, they should have got a contract with the local jail and prison in those countries, right. and then they would have been good to go, right? You know, it, they they could have like got some of them prisoners on lease from the federal government. And say we don't take them to Africa to you know harvest this cocoa and and we'll bring them right back and and whatnot. It'll be good for them get out for a while and and what. See, they would have been good to go. But see, that's what we try to tell people. Those other quote unquote abolitionists. What you talking about is already illegal under the laws. What we're talking about. It's legalized slavery, and so that's tragic. That cocoa situation, that child labor situation, been going on for decades, man, in Africa. But again, if these people get exposed, if they get caught, there's penalties they have to pay. Well, it ain't no penalties that Victoria's Secrets, Walmart's, which Hillary Clinton, I found out the other night, used to be on the board of Walmart. But there are no penalties for Walmart, Victoria's Secret, Target, AT and T. Uh, whoever else out there using prison slave labor today because that's legalized form of, right. of, of slavery. So, you know, hell, I'm surprised here in the United States they ain't yanking them out of the youth detention facilities and putting them out there in the field somewhere. Well, I think with me, this particular story shows the willful intent. They'll do it even if it's illegal. If it's legal, they'll happily do it. 
And it's not just the food companies that would go to any extreme for the bottom line. But this, as I said, this story shows you that they know exactly what they're doing. I mean, just the horrors that are going on with them knowingly involved in this and the reaction to it is, is shocking. There's these three individuals who filed a class action suit in 05, alleging they've been trafficked from Mali as children, right? And they say they work 14 hours a day, they suffer physical abuse, including whipping, and at some point they say guards would slice open the feet of child workers trying to escape. The accused, which is the company, offered financial and technical assistance to local farmers to guarantee cheap cocoa and benefit economically from violations of international labor conventions and laws. Now, this is how nasty it is. In 2010, Nestle, so think about this when you eat your chocolate, drinking your chocolate, successfully stopped a bill to the U.S. Congress that would have made cocoa products carry labels guaranteeing no child labor was used. See, they didn't want that on there because they were using child labor. And they weren't using it uh, just because it was there. They were doing that because the money is more important than a child's life or anybody's life. Sad state of affairs, man. It's just, I, I don't know. It's sad. All we can do is keep trying to get more information out to people, continue to, to hold people's hands and try to help them along the way so they can learn a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and just take little bird seed bites of the truth and chew it real thoroughly and really sit there and mull over it and really think about it and, and wait and wait to see and do all that other mess people do. Just so maybe they'll turn a couple brain cells around to accept a little bit of the truth we're telling you. People, this is a worldwide system that is operating at full steam ahead. You're not going to yeah. get out of this. You're not getting out of this life guilt-free. You're not getting out of this experience you're having on this planet, on this physical plane. You are not going to escape without blood on your hands. I thought that's you had to my, have that's a not conscience. Me saying that. That, I you thought, said what now? I thought you had to have a conscience to feel guilt, cause I don't think Zord Zoli or or uh, uh, what's his name, Thurgood Marshall the Third. I don't think they had right. a conscience, man. So I mean, hell, I don't think my next door neighbor got a conscience. <laughs> I don't think my, I don't think my coworkers got a conscience. I don't think my pastor got a conscience. I don't think the last five women that call themselves available and want to date and want to go out and do what I don't think none of them got no conscience. But I've talked about this with so many people, and not too many of them gave a damn. And they're very beautiful, nice, wonderful, educated, powerful, whatever. They everything. When I step out, those are the people I step out with. Like literally my wife and my daughter, uh, who I know are on the same page with me. And the people that come around that I surround myself with are people that I feel like are on the same page. But, but, yeah. but think, uh, though, brothers, think. Core source. Think, though, the life of an abolitionist. I could imagine that's what the abolitionists prior to us had to go through. And giving the speeches and, you know, standing out there on the literal soapbox on the corner talk, preaching against <laughs> the evils of slavery. and what. I bet you, look, man, there were five, a half a million free blacks uh, in 1850, and I'm wondering, damn, how did y'all, half a million of y'all, and y'all just, damn, y'all couldn't muster up a, a enough organization to, and, and some of them were, some of, but the mass majority were not. 
mass majority of people were not abolitionists, man. They just were not. No, according to the, what I've read, uh, only 5% of the population were actually slavery abolitionists. And 40% or 45% of the nation was anti-slavery. It was two different things. So I'm just you know, thinking about... I'm thinking about their frustration. I bet you he was trying. I bet you old Frederick Douglass was probably wanting to punch Abraham Lincoln in the damn mouth, man. You know, arguing know. with that fool. You know. I know when he wanted to punch him in the mouth. I know the exact moment when he first wanted to kick Abraham Lincoln's ass. And, and That's like, when Abraham Lincoln in 1862 proposed to the South that if they lay down their arms. They could keep their slaves for another 40 years. And this was after he had promised to put in the abolition of slavery into the Constitution. Well, you know, I can imagine Harriet Tubman. That's what she's talking about, you know. I, I, I freed a thousand slaves, but I could have freed a thousand more if I just could have convinced them that they were slaves. You know, things, same thing. If we could just convince convince people that slavery was never abolished, man, we might be able to get, you know, enough abolitionists. Because I don't even think 5% of today's population in America are can be considered abolitionists. Because I think 99% of them think that slavery was abolished. So they calling it mass incarceration. They calling it. All these different, you know, uh, acronyms and, and everything except for what it is. Yeah, everything but what it is, slavery. Yep. I've heard some new words be created, too, like uh, policeteering, <laughs> you know, the prison for profit, policing for profit, uh, mass incarceration. There's so many different names for or synonyms, synonyms for slavery. Slavery by yeah. any other name. Slavery. Yeah. Well, we're coming coming up on to our next segment, so we can stay on, on point here, I guess, uh, which would be our, our rider of the 21st century underground railroad. Let me see if I can get this page to load. I'm having a little bit of a problem with it there, but uh, does Scotty want to help me out? Yeah, I'll read it. Um, and um, All right, great. we'll get Johanan to do the abolitionist in profile since I wasn't able to record it. Um, All right. Okay, so uh, our abolitionist and, um, excuse me, our 21st century underground railroad writer is this brother by the name of Cash Delano Register. Uh, the Los Angeles City Council agreed on Tuesday, that was yesterday, to pay more than $24 million to settle lawsuits. In, in 2013, they did that. Huh? It's from 2013. You sure? I, I believe so. Because this, this is a 2016. From the, the, this yeah. year. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is a 2016. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, January 19th, 2016, when this was published. Uh, the, Los the Los Angeles City Council agreed Tuesday to pay more than $24 million to settle lawsuits from two men who alleged that investigations by dishonest LAPD detectives led to their wrongful murder convictions and caused them to spend decades behind bars. Cash Delano Register, who won his freedom in 2013 after lawyers and students from Loyola uh, Law School cast doubt on the testimony of a key prosecution witness and will receive $16.7 the largest settlement and in individual civil rights case in the city's history. His attorney said, 
Bruce Lisker, who was released from prison in 2009 after a Times investigation into his conviction, will get $7.6 million. Though the cases were unrelated, both men contended that detectives ignored evidence of their innocence and, and fabricated evidence of their guilt. Uh, city lawyers concerned about the police misconduct allegations recommended the settlements. Seen in confidential memos to the city council obtained by the Times that, that taking the cases to trial could be even more financially devastating. You can read the rest of that. I have linked up to it. Uh, I mean, just think about what they said. It's cheaper if we just go ahead and pay, pay you know, this $24 million to settle both lawsuits because if we uh, expose the police to any more uh, investigations or any more scrutiny, we're going to be paying out a whole lot more because, you know, we might come across a whole bunch of more victims, man. Anybody that, that has any kind of uh, faith in this system, any kind of allegiance to this system, I, I just don't know how. How? You could even trust. I mean, I know we get hit and peppered with a whole bunch of police pro propaganda about their heroes and they're putting their lives on the line for us and they keeping us safe and, and all of that. You know, if that was true, it wouldn't, the crime rate would be zero percent if they were keeping us safe. But what's most unfortunate is that when crimes are committed against us, instead of them getting a person who actually did it, oh, just any nigga will do. And, and then uh, people's lives get destroyed while killers and rapists run free. This is just a sick, sick society, man. So well, let me just say welcome to freedom uh, to these two brothers. Salute. Yeah, indeed. Salute. And uh, remember, L.A. is the same place that said there has never been any cases of uh, racial misconduct amongst the police department. When presented with thousands of cases, they said every single one of them were justified. Yeah. Hey Amen. But but the thing is, is that they're speaking to their constituents. They're speaking to their supporters. They're not telling the truth because the people that support them and the people that will comply and will do whatever they can to make sure that these bastards stay in power and stay in control of whatever they have authority over, those people don't want to hear the truth. And they will do whatever they can to protect those police unions, to protect those police jobs, to protect that police propaganda machine to protect those police uh, reputations and keep their legacy intact. They will do whatever they can to protect it. They don't believe in a world where the cops can be dirty at all. They won't, they won't, they just they won't have know, it. They know that. They, they live in that world every day because they just as corrupt and dirty as the cops. You know, can, can y'all no, help, nowhere. Can help me? Help me understand something. Okay. These things seem to go hand in hand in my reality, that people that don't believe in slavery, that people that believe that blacks and poor folks is just criminal and they commit crimes and they just they kill each other and they need to go to jail, that believe the cops are heroes and all this other rhetoric, these people also most overwhelmingly tend to be people who do the same old propaganda BS talk about how all these same people are, are uh, defrauding the welfare system. They're stealing money. They're out here living for free. They're all, all of them are on welfare. This tends to be the same person that will say all of these things. Now, if you, you really care, right? If you really care about the money, though, wouldn't it seem obvious that the best thing to, to be upset about, the most, the most 
impact that you could have because you're not going to be able to go into anybody's house and stop them from being on welfare unless you're going to provide jobs. Okay. You're not going to be able to stop crime in, in, in these areas unless you're going to be able to provide some kind of economic empowerment and give these people options so they're not committing crimes of survival. You're just not going to be able to do it. But what you can do is stop your damn police that you pay in their salary from going out and killing people, from going out and then falsely imprisoning the wrong person and the criminal still going out here committing rape and murder and putting people in prison for for decades or however long. And then when they get out, you got when they get out, you got to give them ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars a pop. In Chicago, you got to set up a reparations fund of five million dollars, which is a, a drop in a bucket for all the hundreds and hundreds and potentially thousands of lives that were destroyed. Philadelphia, fifteen million a year. Baltimore averaging twelve to fifteen million a year until they finally put a cap on it at two point five million. But then they broke their own cap to give Freddie Gray's family six and a half million. All over the country, Dallas, 12 to 14 million a year. Miami, 14, 15 million dollars a year. LA, 15 million dollars a year. All over the country, your police departments are paying double digit in the millions to settle police abuse cases, false imprisonment cases, murder cases, on and on and on. But you pissed off because Shanae get $100 worth of food stamps. And that's all you can talk about? You are a joke. These are the same people, though, Johanna, that say they call, you know, when a family loses a loved one and then, you know, gets a wrongful death settlement. Oh, you hit the ghetto lotteries. Those same yeah. people, they say that, yeah. too. They, yeah. So they, I'm at the point, I'm tired of dealing with them. I don't think they're going to change. I want them to prove to me that they're going to change. I think that just like they think we need to be eradicated, they want genocide against us, I want to see them go because they're not going to stop. There's an underlying story here as well, much like the Laquan McDonald case, where there was apparently such convincing evidence that they not only had to free these gentlemen, but to pay them $24 million just to hush the case, case up. Now, this undisclosed evidence included the conduct of the police themselves who were involved. That's what I'm saying so, right there. Because that's one of the things I wanted to note that I did not read was that these cops who manufactured this evidence to send this man to jail for a crime he did not commit, they are not being brought up on any charges. You know? It don't matter if they retired. I don't think the statute of limitations runs out on such crimes, you know? But again, if, if what what is it solving? A listener brought this up with me a few years ago. Uh, this brother in Louisiana, I think his name Brother Jay, if I remember correctly. He was like, "Look, they've been paying out these settlements for years, man. We need to get these families to stop suing for just money and sue for some damn justice, sue for some change." You know, like stripping, you know, okay, yeah, um, um, this money cannot replace my loved one. So in addition to this money, you know what? You're going to pass legislation that is going to strip the police unions or individual officers of immunity. You're going to force these drug officers, these uh, officers to be tested uh, uh, randomly every month for uh, uh, drugs, you know, cause they might be having roid rages out here and killing all these people and whatnot. We don't know. So, I mean, the, 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 the people that's, that's paying the money out, you know, they don't seem to care. And the people that's getting paid the money, they don't seem to be asking for the right things outside of just getting the money. Hmm. Well, they're not, this is not organic. 
I don't believe for a minute that any of this is organically occurring. This is the people that control the decisions. They're telling these families what to do. They meet and close doors with these people before the, any of this even gets out. The word don't even escape. Not a peep is said about the murders, about the imprisonment, about the exoneration that's about to come. None of that. They set all this up. They, they walk it on down the line. They send in their representatives and tell those people what they're going to get. But guess and what? And if you don't, don't take this, you ain't getting nothing. You know what, Dan? Hey, I wouldn't be the first one to turn it down because we saw the mom in Nevada turn them down. Right. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and, and so ain't no way in the hell that you're going to kill my child and then think I'm going to take $5 million and never say a word about it and, and just shut my damn mouth and let these killers get away with it. Come on now. Plenty of them, plenty of them do I, turn I it down, though, do. but they just they go by the wayside even faster. That's just the thing. When all of the people don't give a damn, all of the people that stand up as individuals just get run over by the machine that much worse. We don't know where none of those people are, but I'm sure there's double the number that took the money that said, hell no, we suing for justice and had to go through a string of attorneys, had to go through all kind of different filings and paperwork and court dates and on and on out their lives went on and on and nothing ever came of it. They went broke and got forgotten about. I'm positive. This is the entire state has the power to fight you if you want to fight them. They're going to bring the attorney general to fight you, fight your case. It's his job. And they'll pay you $24 million to protect the integrity of the LAPD, which basically means in their fraternal order to cover their Well, thank God for the journalists who do the digging and, and uncover these things because we wouldn't yeah. know if not for the journalists. Right. We only know about yeah. Laquan McDonald because of the journalists. Right. Well, you know, South Carolina, just uh, one of their lawmakers here, Republican lawmaker, just tried to uh, present a bill that would require anybody who considers themselves journalists to be collecting a paycheck, to be providing journalism articles for a prestigious paper or outlet or be subject to fines and up to jail. So they're literally trying to silence us here in South Carolina, citizen journalists. That just uh, sounds so ridiculous. sanctioned journalists will be able to uh, function. Man, come on now. How the hell are they going to stop somebody from writing a freaking blog or getting on the telephone on a radio program and speaking their piece? Man, they could pass. Same way they stop you from smoking. They ain't whatever, man. Like like H. Rap Brown said, you know, we are neither legally or morally bound. If you're gonna uh, let a law like if they, and I highly doubt that will pass, but let's just say it do pass, then you know, if you're gonna be the coward that can just sit there and take it and keep your mouth shut, then you just the hell you probably ain't saying nothing now, no way, so it ain't gonna affect you. Well, we got one more segment. Let's go on and, and uh, acknowledge our uh, uh, abolitionist in profile, which this, this is, uh, week was a favorite of mine, by the way, uh, Your Honor, because of, oh. she reminds me a lot of myself and a lot of the artists like me who are out there doing the same. So it's kind of, you know, I touch history with her. Right on. Well, tonight's abolitionist in profile, Francis E.W. Harper. Poet and orator Francis E.W. Harper, the child of two free black parents, publicly advocated for abolition and education through speeches and publications. 
Frances E.W. Harper was born 1825 in Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. She was able to attend school as the daughter of free black parents. Her first poem, Forest Leaves, was published around 1845. The delivery of her public speech, education, and the elevation of the colored race resulted in a two-year lecture tour for the Anti-Slavery Society. She died in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in 1911. She was born to Frances Ellen Watkins, September 24, 1825, in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, she was a leading African-American poet and writer. She was also an ardent activist in the abolitionist and women's rights movements. After losing her mother at a young age, Harper was raised by her aunt. She also attended a school for African-American children run by her uncle, Reverend William Watkins. Bright and talented, Harper started, poet started writing poetry in her youth. She kept on writing while working for a Quaker family after finishing school. In 1845, she published her first collection of poetry that was titled Forest Leaves. She moved to Ohio five years later to teach domestic skills such as sewing at Union Seminary. The school was run by leading abolitionist John Brown. Harper became dedicated to the abolitionist cause a few years later after her home state of Maryland passed a fugitive slave law. This law allowed even free blacks such as Harper to be arrested and sold into slavery. And the police enforced them laws, baby. In 1854, Harper published poems of miscellaneous subjects which featured one of her most famous works titled Bury Me in a Free Land. She also became an in-demand lecturer on behalf of the abolitionist movement, appearing with the likes of Frederick Douglass, William Garrison, Lucretia Mott, and Lucy Stone. Harper made literary history in 1859 with the publication of Two Offers. With this work, she became the first African-American female writer to publish a short story. The following year, she married Fenton Harper, who had several children from a previous marriage. Harper retreated from public life, choosing to live with her husband and children in Ohio. In 1862, she gave birth to a daughter named Mary. In 1864, she returned to the lecture circuit after the death of her husband. She also produced several long-form poets, poems a short while later, including Moses, A Story of the Nile, sketches of Southern life in 1872, which explored her experiences during the Reconstruction. In her final years, by the turn of the century, Harper began to scale down her activities, though she still worked to support such causes as women's suffrage and such organizations as the NACW and the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Harper died of heart failure February 22, 1911, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She was buried next to her daughter, Mary, at Eden Cemetery. And new abolitionist radio salutes this good sister. Salute. <laughs> Yeah, man, you use whatever you got, whatever your talent is. If all you can do is write a poem or talk to people, it makes an impact. And, and our biggest complaint throughout the night has been not enough people know. Hmm. She did her work. Yeah, so but more, and more. Salute that more and more people are coming into the knowledge, man. I just wish the pace was quicker. Um, but, you know, we just don't have those resources, so it's taking a little bit longer. But, hey, I, I, I'm encouraged, man. We had a hundred and um, how many over a hundred thousand, hundred and twenty thousand people tune in last night. I mean, last month to the station. Last month. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 145,000. Yeah, 145,000 uh, people tuned in. Then through the social media work, we reached in just just in. December about a little over half a million people. So, you know, we 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 plodding along. We I'ma stay encouraged. I'm you know not gonna get down. I just wish more people. I w I wish we had access to these mainstream platforms. You know, 
the shoot. I wish I well, could well, have well, a morning show like Steve Harvey or 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 whatnot and get reach all these millions of people so they can be told the truth, man, because they ain't getting no truth. They getting a bunch of lies well, I'd and take distraction. A, I'd take a following. I'd take a following the size of these these half folks. I'm, I don't want to call nobody out their name, but I'd take a following like the Voice Watkins of the world. The folks that's out here on that level, like people love them and they out here and we can touch them. You can you can inbox, you can email, you can catch them on the phone. Sometimes you can. They're there, but they got a huge followings. They got access to the to the to the big names, to the Cornell West and the the uh, uh, what's his name, Eric Dysons and the and the, the uh, Skip Gates. They can access these people. They can get a word in their ear. I just I, I I'll take a following on that level. I don't want to be famous or be invited into none of their parties. I just want to get the truth into the party. Well, this Wednesday, uh, this Saturday coming, I'll be trying to be just that. I'm going to a, a video viewing that they're having for uh, it's the free viewing of the documentary 7 a.m. The first documentary to definitively explore why it's a lack of business not a lack of jobs that makes black people the poorest people in, in America. They talk to the foremost minds on the subjects like Dr. Claude Anderson and Don Peebles about why racism is an economic issue, not a social issue. Afterwards, they're going to have a discussion and uh, it's limited seating, I believe 50 people, and I was invited, so my wife and I are going to go. And of course, uh, we're going to talk to them about abolition and how that applies, because you know, I'm somewhat familiar with the analysis by Dr. Claude Anderson regarding slavery, racism, and social engineering. And, you know, I'm not trying to be anybody who's just going to stand there and challenge somebody for no reason, but there are parts of his argument that are missing key elements, and those key elements you hear here, here every week. So I'm hoping that I can introduce those key elements in so that vacuum will no longer be filled by misconceptions. So that'll be right this on, Saturday man. at 8 p.m. They got the right one to be there, to be there on the scene. I, I look forward to your report. Well, I'm trying, brother. These are the men and women that we need to get on board. We need to get them all on the same page. The Michelle Alexanders, the Boyce Watkins, uh, the, uh, on and on. These are the Look, man, I ain't I ain't wasting my time with no showcase people. Look, Boyce Watkins know about the Thirteenth Amendment because he endorsed a he he endorsed a, a petition I put up on the White House site asking President Obama to remove the Thirteenth uh, Amendment. But then, you know, right after I sent him that and he sent it out on Facebook, next thing I know, he talking to Lil Wayne and and and, and all them rappers and they and they're signing a letter. Talking about President Obama do something about mass incarceration. Dude, it's slavery. You just agreed with me that there's an exception clause in the 13th Amendment and what they're practicing is slavery. And you shared it on your timeline because I saw you share it with your people. But now you want to, you know, about a couple of weeks later, get all these showcase celebrities. And now y'all talking mass incarceration, not slavery. Little Boyce Watkins know about that. You know about the Thirteenth Amendment, man. It's Michelle yeah, Alexander well, does know about the Thirteenth Amendment. And I played yeah. clips 
and she has said that it's a continuation of slavery. So I don't, I never read the book, The New Jim Crow. I don't know if she mentions it in there, but I've heard her, her uh, uh, speak on slavery never being abolished. So right, she, we need to get them all together on the same page, on the same mission. Uh, and that's what I'm look, hoping to Max, see one day. Look, Max, if they ain't came yet, they ain't coming. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. They know. They heard from us. They avoid it. They don't want to be a part of it. I just, oh, man. Tar and feather these fakers, man. Straight <laughs> up. I'm just tired right, of it, man. Well, we're down to our last minute and a half, so I, I, we should really wrap this up. I think the Lotus Face is coming out next time. Uh, no, they not. Oh, okay. So, uh, all right. Well, we're at the last couple minutes. I'll, I'll leave it in your hands. Yeah, I have final statements. All right, there we go. Uh, coming up on the end of the program, our final statements for the evening. Um, it's been a hell of a show, and we hope you come again next week to tune in and bring friends. Scotty or your honor? Yeah, just all I got to say is in slavery. In slavery, man, that that is one of the greatest and oldest evils ever known to mankind. And to think, you know, that here we are in the 21st century, in the so-called most developed, most sophisticated, richest nation on the earth, but you know we know how they accum how they uh, accumulated their riches, and we know how they still accumulating those riches. Slavery, slavery is a pillar of the capitalist economy. Uh, enslaved Africans were referred to as capital. All right. Uh, uh, what what George Zoli and them doing on on Wall Street? That's capital investments and whatnot. So, you know, I ain't got a whole lot of uh, uh, patience right now. So I'm just gonna leave y'all with enslavement. Let's enslavement. Indeed, indeed, and I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm about the same way, man. I don't really have much patience anymore for uh, for any of it. Every week. We come on the program every day. We do our research. This is going on for years, people. We're not talking about something that we all just uh, got mad at some movie we saw yesterday, or we we pissed off because the Oscars didn't nominate Will Smith for an Oscar this year. So we gonna boycott. We ain't on none of this reactionary BS. We not on this little kid stuff, man. This is deep, deep research that's going on for many, many years. And before we got here, it was others that was doing it before we was even born. This has been going on for hundreds of years. People have been researching and reporting, giving us factual evidence and science to back up what we're talking about here. So like Scotty, all I can do is tell you, in slavery, do something to, to move to abolish 21st century slavery and human trafficking. Peace to the abolitionists. Death to these oppressors. Amen. <clears throat> like you said, the people that were here before us, shout out to Lee Wood from CAPS. Uh, committed in uh, prison slavery, who back in 72 whispered in the ear of Angela Davis about the 13th Amendment. Shout out to him. Sometimes with the help of clergy, counselors, family, and incarcerated person who was guilty of terrible crimes, will have a big breakthrough point where they realize how much of a monster they have become and how much pain and suffering they inflicted on their victims with their actions. The denial dissolves, the truth is accepted, and the sense of personal responsibility is taken. You accept your role and your just punishment derived by jury of your peers and the laws of the land. Then you try and change what's left of your life. America, as a nation and as a people, have never had to go through that stage for anything we've done to anyone. But we do know this. Abolition is the reason for a revolution so we can finally make some peace. Peace.
I started in slave ships. There are more records of slave ships than one would dream. It seems inconceivable until you reflected for 200 years ships sailed carrying fraudulent slaves. Man, man, he man violent. In the face of the violence that we've been uh, experiencing for the past 400 years, it actually is doing our people a disservice. In fact, it's a crime. It's a crime.